No, honestly, that is nonsense. Nonsense. All nonsense. They say many, many garbage things. You don't know what you're going to get. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a No Nonsense Podcast with Cahill and Will. Mm, a new era for the pod. Day one, year four. Day one, year four. You might have noticed, hey, it's five seconds into the pod and it started. <laughs> Should we even talk about that? Should we even <laughs> mention or, or just pretend it never happened like all of the best shows? <laughs> no, we got to mention because it is a... a, a segment we've talked about before that we used to love <laughs> honestly i think in honor of vince mcmahon we'll just let this storyline die and never talk about it again <laughs> shouldn't be doing too many things in honor of vince mcmahon <laughs> a great man folks <laughs> i feel he's a big trump guy is he vince mcmahon oh yeah huge they're best friends yeah. big business yeah um yeah no, we, we we've we've skipped the uh the intro Mm. inherent laziness i suppose because you gotta you gotta come up with the intro every week you know it's just, we just <laughs> let's just get into the show let's get into it folks let's just get yeah. right into us we all watched city chelsea uh and we all thought it'd be a hammering but you know in some clubs they have you know like in the dna of a club it's kind of tossed around and we have been converted to that way of thinking yeah. it used to be a time where we thought bollocks like it's different players different managers there's no like it's just like it's a it's a professional business that's all it is but in Chelsea's DNA, they love to ruin things. Yeah. <laughs> seemingly. Man City were supposedly starting their own, De Bruyne back, Haaland back. Uh oh, they're playing City. This should be a walkover. Well, it's not. And Chelsea are going to come in and ruin the day for the citizens. Yeah, it's uh it was bizarre watching I was watching it in the pub and uh, it was one of those ones where every time I glanced up, I was like, hmm, Chelsea on the attack again. I'm surely I'm just not watching the game close enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, they're playing a Kanji in midfield, I noticed. I was like, okay, they're confident. You know, this guy's <laughs> a kind of a, a decent centre-back, but, you know, uh, who were they missing, I suppose? Not really anybody. I mean, they had uh, Silva on the bench, but they were playing uh, Kanji and, and Rodri in the middle, and then, I guess, really attacking with De Bruyne, Foden, uh, and Doku. Yeah. So it was kind of not really pet ball that we're used to. It's kind of like, yeah, just two kind of midfielders and actually just kind of just get the ball to Haaland. He'll finish. Of course yeah, he'll finish. Yeah. He always finishes. <laughs> it's his whole shtick. Yeah. And I mean, if, if he had finished, it would have been a 3-4-1 and it would have been, yeah, yeah, everyone expected that. But I think that's probably the biggest thing that he just couldn't uh, put the chances away. Just wasn't his night, yeah. It happens to the best of us, Will. Mm-hmm. I've often been there at his level, not being able to score. But does he make the team better, Will? That's the real question. <laughs> We've circled back around. <laughs> what about the system, Carl? <laughs> Are we past that with Haaland? Can he just have a bad game? And no, I don't think anybody's mentioned. It. I think I'm the, I'm the first person to say it, to go back to that old uh, chest. <laughs> of like, but is he a Pep player? You know, <laughs> I know he's broken the record this first season, but is he a Pep type player? Is he too big? <laughs> yeah, I think they're playing Julian Alvarez actually as well. If I remember the line correctly as well, so very attacking. And like I say, it would have been a very different story if some of those completely free headers that Haaland usually <laughs> yeah. scores. I think he, he might be a victim of his own success as well because there was one there where I don't know who played across to him but it was like kind of at hip level and he like stuck a leg out and just kind of miscontrolled it went wide 
But oh, that was a good chance for Haaland. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing there. <laughs> it was a good chance for Haaland because he 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 scored ridiculous goals that before. But like, you know, it wasn't a great ball. But I guess when you have Haaland up front, you're probably used to just putting okay balls in there, and he gets it and finishes it. But it's interesting because we were talking about it on the Patreon episode, last Patreon. I had watched the Copenhagen game, and that was the same where I was like, "Oh, it was a walkover city." Like, easily could have been 7 or 8 nil or 7 or 8 one, but, you know, they just missed a few chances. But in that, they still scored three. But then looking back, it's like, they did miss, like, 7 or 8 chances, though, which is not like them. Yeah, you gotta look at the XG, you know. We all laughed at the XG when it came in, but, I mean, there's something to us, you know. How many goals should you have scored is what that's saying, telling you. Yeah, if it was called that, people would have no problem with it. It's the X people don't like. X, the abbreviation X, she's like, what's that? It's like, it's very obvious what it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I guess it's because like expected starts with an E, idiot. You know, scientist. <laughs> Straight away, your your algorithm is wrong, nerd. You know, but yeah, I, I suppose uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Eden Hazard. Will he's he's become quite vocal in his retirement. You know, it's, the, it's not the way I I, I like to watch football. It's yeah. not how long scoring three goals. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not- well, you know, when you say something like that, oh, this guy don't re- don't respect Alan. Exactly. Of I respect him, you know. But it's not the. I'm not watching football for Alan. It's perfect the way he's doing things. Is yeah. but I'm watching football for Bernardo Silva. Yes. For uh, for Kevin De Bruyne. For I don't know. Jude uh, Bellingham. For, for for Jude Bellingham. For I don't know Jack Grealish. Yeah. You know those funny nutmeg yeah. that this. You know what I mean? Do you know what he said it will? What do you think he says? Think of a where an ex Chelsea player might uh, speak his mind. Oh, Diary of a CEO, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. The Obi-Wan podcast. Oh, of course. The other the other Chelsea podcast. Yes. Ex-Chelsea podcast. And just, I don't watch football for Erling Haaland, but for players like Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Jude Bellingham, and Jack Grealish. So long list of players that uh, Ed Hazard would rather watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is kind of this talk about it where it's like, all he does is score goals, you know. That, what do you want them to be doing? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, people used to say that about Ronaldo too, but then, you know, he'd score some hat-tricks, or score, score some, sorry, not hat-tricks, bicycle kicks. Yeah. And people go, all right, that was pretty sweet. I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's because, like, and Haaland scores some acrobatic goals himself. I remember that one against Dortmund that then they put in the FIFA ad. Sailing through the air, yeah. He literally did a, a goal so good in real life that they just said, well, just do that for the FIFA. Don't need to make up some other matches. Just, <laughs> just do the stuff he actually did. <laughs> it's perfect, yeah. But this kind of stuff still comes out where it's like, ah, yeah, well, like he's he's not exciting. It's like, why is he not exciting? You know, like, is it because he's he's too physically big? Like Ronaldo was a, a was big enough, but he's quite lean. Yeah, like he like Harold is quite wide and broad. So you kind of see him, and you're like, oh well, of course he can jump that high. Look the size of him. Whereas even Ronaldo, who was about like six one or less, when he jumped very high, I was like, whoa, he's like a salmon. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he gets this kind of stick, like, oh, he doesn't score beautiful goals, or he's not exciting to watch. Like, again, I, I go back to my time when I was in the New Orleans and watching Zion Williamson fly to the air. It's like, yeah. Pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> that makes it even more impressive, if anything, yeah. you know? How is he that big and that fast at the same time? Well, this is it. Hand is, you know, a marvel to watch, I'm sure. But uh, I guess someone like Eden Hazard is not impressed by the sheer physical size of the man. I mean, I don't think there's anything to worry about. There won't be much other games like that where he misses that many chances. You would think, yeah. 
important for Liverpool that he does, I suppose, because you do kind of feel like it'll take something mad, like Haaland's form drop off a cliff or another injury. Not that they ever wished an injury on somebody, but like it would take something drastic for City to not win this, which is mad considering they're a third in the table. But everyone's yeah. like, yeah, well, that, don't mind that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just noise. You know, yeah. watch the games and you can tell who's going to win the league. Yeah, because they still have a game in hand. So I think they're, like, if they win that, they're one point off top. So, like, what does it all mean, really? <laughs> Which is like, if you're one point off City, like, we're well, never getting that point back. You know? <laughs> yeah. But when it's City, it's like, well, they're, well they it's might, only one point. They might as well be eight points ahead, lads. <laughs> Uh, not that uh, Pep Guardiola subscribes to that uh, way of thinking, mm-hmm. Will. He was in no mood after the game with, uh, with journalists. Yeah, Pep Watch continues. <laughs> yeah, we are just a Pep Guardiola discussion group now. We just kind of gather every week and say, what did he say this week? He's too good. He's too entertaining. Well, we were saying this before, Will. It's just that he, he hates losing. Yeah. I Honestly, I think he hates losing more than he loves winning. So like, even when he wins... It doesn't offset the fact that like he's lost the game. Like last year he won the treble. That doesn't help him at all when he's just lost. Yeah. Not even lost. Drew. <laughs> Drew to Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> I know they're not performing well. I know they're tent. They are still Chelsea and they do still have a team of players that at the time were considered worth over a hundred million when they signed them. And other clubs are actively pursuing them for that money too. Yeah. Like this is the thing. You look at when they're not playing well, but it's, we always say they don't become bad players overnight, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's he's every every detail covered. This shouldn't have happened. You know, <laughs> yeah. he said that they had a really he did, he did a classic Pep thing, which said we had a really good second half, brilliant second Best half. Second half we've ever seen. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that's two halves. So you gotta you gotta pay for the two halves. But look, we work on that. I suppose I'll I'll inform them about that. There's two halves. <laughs> I'll let them know about that. Um, he didn't actually say that, but that was the kind yeah, of tone. The tone. So he did actually say. Um, after the game Pochettino said I am so pleased I told the players I feel so proud in response Guerrero said good congratulations <laughs> if he believes that that is good for his team <laughs> which biting on many levels <laughs> it's cryptic almost because what does that even mean good congratulations if he believes that is he casting doubt over whether Chelsea played well or not it's a, it's a two pronged attack because he's saying okay if he believes that good for him as in, like, hey, if he actually thinks that's good, fair play to him. Because, you know, that's good and happy for him. But that implies that was bad. You were actually bad. Or he's saying, if he actually believes that, good for him. As in, like, he's lying. You know, there's no way he actually <laughs> believes that was good. It's a two-pronged thing. <laughs> if he believes that, that is good for his team. I guess that is the job of the manager. You know, you meant to, like, in low moments, which Chelsea's last two, three years has been a low moment. Yeah. Like any bit of success, you meant to like use that to like fan the flames and like try and keep it alive. Like that, lads, you play great up there, <laughs> you know. And like, in one sense, I do get if, well, I don't get what Pep saying, but if I was to guess what Pep was saying, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of mischances in that game. Yeah. Like Nick Jackson played one of his better games, but there's a couple of chances where he really, like, they could have been two or three in a lot. Yeah. And uh, he just, he's just fumbled it. Um, Sterling had a great game. Mm-hmm. No surprise, really. Uh, did you catch his uh, music celebration, Will? No, I actually didn't. Was it a classic? <laughs> Hands up, it was, head down, one of those? He he initially, you know, he, he got the ball and like absolutely done Walker, stuck it in the net as Edison came yeah. rushing out. And then, so like, you know, 
high pressure situation two men rushing at you and then you've managed to finish like so initially he's like yes you know yeah. turns to the crowd and then pretty immediately head down palms down no no it's all good he gets to the to the to the edge and chill well outside him's going crazy and then he lets that one yes you know and then <laughs> much worse than the mutant celebration that this is how i really feel <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, the music celebration is for UC fans, and then there's last one's for you, Chelsea fans. Yes, cool. yes. You know, so yeah, he he had a a good game. He, uh, I suppose, he's still he outside bed for the plane for the Euros this this summer. I'd say he's still probably hold on to that dream, maybe. Yes, yeah, Southgate does like his favorites, though, as we've seen. Um, there was some controversy a few weeks ago. I don't think we talked about it. Where um, Southgate was at Henderson's first game for Ajax, and the same night, I think. I can't remember who was playing the Premier League, but there was like nine English internationals playing in the one game, and he was at the Henderson game. Just to see if Henderson's still going well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the clearest sign that he's bringing him, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's his boy. So, like, he, he is one to stick with what he likes. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a place for Cole Palmer? I mean, surely there should be. I, I It's interesting, because I do feel like it's probably a time... I don't know if it's the time to, like... Let's switch it up. Let's get a whole new midfield in because it's done well. You don't want to throw it all out yeah. right before a new tournament where I'm sure you've been training with different lads. But like Manu at United, Palmer, uh, who else as well? Like Gallagher. There's loads of midfielders coming through who are all really good. And then it's like, are you going to stick with Henderson and Calvin Phillips? Is that your plan? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think it's probably Rice and one of yeah, Henderson that's true, and true. Phillips if he takes them. And like Belling will be in there as an attacking mid or do you need him line deeper because he's so good and then like I say you can play a host of Madison and, yeah. and that but I mean for I think for for um, Cole Palmer's problem is that he plays on kind of the right wing where Saka plays and Foden plays and then he plays as an attacking mid which as I said Bellingham plays and then maybe Madison and yeah. then maybe you know Gallagher plays best as an attacking mid and uh, Yaman Islan I always forget his name still barrel name Laughter's Cheek Left his cheek, yeah. He's he's played best as attacking mid, so they have a lot of options. Someone's going to be be let down, yeah. Um, but like he was very good to be like twenty one, go back to a former club and have a, an unbelievable game against like the best team, like objectively in the league, and just to go out there and be as good as you were against Luton and whatever else. Yeah, and again, an objectively bad team. It does show kind of a metal that like yeah he can. He can do it in the Euros. Like, he's not afraid of the big moments. No, yeah. And especially um, the whole, like, not only is it the best team in the league, but it's the team you left. And when you did leave, people were like, that's a lot of money for him. And, like, there's so much things going into that game, I'm sure, on his mind. Of yeah. proving a lot of people wrong. And, like, the fact that they let him go in the first place and because of game time, stuff like that. I suppose for the, for the league, I guess you touched on it a bit there. I mean, they probably won't... But they're still going to win, aren't they? Like they I are, think so. They are still going to There's not any real doubt. Even though it was funny because you were like, they're winning the treble and then immediately they drop <laughs> points. It's like it's like clockwork. Once you make any kind of a lukewarm take, it's immediately proven wrong. <laughs> the Rasmus Highland effect. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I said he wouldn't score as many goals as in Champions League and he's the youngest player yeah. <laughs> to score in six consecutive <laughs> league games, Will. Do you know who he overtook? Who he replaced Ooh, on, that, on that list? That is a good question. Um, it's a really good list. Um, would Greenwood be on it? Uh, no, Will. Of course he isn't. 
That's your, your main night nostalgia glasses <laughs> yeah. on there. Think <laughs> of really good historical players in the Premier League. The top five, this is like... Well, like what, Rooney, I assume? He probably scored six in a row. Do you know what, Will? To be honest, I forget the list. I just know Henri was on us. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and the the current holder before Rasmus Holland mm. did really against Luton was uh, Joe Willock. Oh, of course, the run, yeah. <laughs> the run to keep, to, to, to keep Newcastle up and to make Arsenal a lot of money for a player who would <laughs> never replicate that form again. Yeah, it went down in history. Yeah, he he he's on. It's funny because it was like uh, there's a list in the NBA that always comes up on my feed. It's like Michael Jordan, Kobe, uh, LeBron James, like Larry Bird, and Thaddeus Young. And it's like a very obscure stat line of like <laughs> players average 10, 12, 15 through two hundred games in their first ten years, something like that. It's like right, uh, but this is what it was like. It was Henri, maybe it's Rooney, uh, like young players who who. Uh, Scored six and seven goals. And then I was like, and uh, of course, who could forget Joe Willock in the year 2021, 2022? What a season that was. But yeah, United uh, continued to, to paper over the, the cracks, Will, a little bit. Uh, while still getting the rub the green from referees very blatantly this week. <laughs> Did you see uh, the post-match comments from the Luton manager? Rob Edwards felt early errors cost his side, while he was also surprised by the lack of time added on. Yeah, it's like back to last season, that wasn't it? Don't know where that one came from. Man United are winning 2 1, and so it's four minutes. Man United have had the most extra time against them while leading in the last season. They had like 11 minutes, 9 minutes, 10 minutes, 8 minutes. But it is the type of thing that now that he's said that, I guarantee that's going to be something they're going to be punished with for the rest of the season because the refs are like, oh, maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah, well, the biggest thing in the game was the sending off, which honestly, the first yellow. Oh, sorry, not the sending off, the lack thereof. Yes. Sending off. The first yellow was bullshit, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, it was. Like, he, he came to, to tackle him, and your man saw him coming, and he leaned back. And your man went, well, I've already committed to going down, so I'm going to do that. And the ref bought us. And then the second one definitely should have been yellow. So I guess it's in the camp of like, well, if the, you give the yellow, that's, that's your mistake. But the second yellow should be a separate thing. Exactly. It yeah. definitely wasn't because he saw the first yellow he gave on VAR or whatever, or in the linesman said, you messed up their pal. You messed up with the pool. That wasn't your card. That was not your card. That was a really big mistake you made. Checking, checking, checking. <laughs> Stop checking. I, I, it's okay. We, we're done. We moved on. Bury it, bury it. <laughs> and then when it came to, for the second yellow, he went, ah, this would be bad if you send them off now. Yeah. But, it was worse because people said, well, you clearly, we, we all saw your thought process in your head there and you didn't do it. And there was a, there was a one there, Calvin Phillips, actually, the man I was just talking about, got sent off for a very similar thing in the West Ham game where it was first yellow. It was like, yeah, probably a bit silly to do that. Second yellow, I was like, oh, is this we're sending off for those two fouls? <laughs> Technically, yes. And he was <laughs> yeah. sent off. So it's like, it's, I feel like it always happens in the Premier League where it's big club or small club. There's always an incident that happens to go, that was bad. On its own, that was bad. And then in another game, like a few hours later, <laughs> yeah, the exact totally opposite like, that just, outcome. <laughs> that proves how bad it was because that's sure what happened in your game. Yeah. So yeah, um, Casemiro's uh, lucky boy survived. Now he was immediately hooked then because I think Gary Neville put it very well. It might have been Drury put it well. He said, if Casemiro so much as looks at a player in the next five minutes, he's off. <laughs> yeah, the highlight of the match there too as well, where they just show, look, he's not even tackling anymore because he knows he's going to get sent off if he touches it, buddy. Yeah, so. he, <laughs> Luton nearly scored because he was terrified to touch the player because he went, oh, 
anything could happen here. It's so funny that everybody on the pitch and off the pitch can read the ref's uh, mind. Like he's going to try <laughs> yeah. and make up for this mistake now. He's going to try and make up for this. <laughs> Don't touch Casemiro. You were dead right not to touch him. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're climbing. I think one of our more uh, careful predictions of they might possibly get Europa League, maybe Champions mm. League, is like <laughs> yeah. slowly, slowly coming through. Um, I tell you what, though, Will, uh, like Benny had a good game. He did, yeah. Um, I always feel like uh, young Irish players have good games against United because I know I'm always watching these games like true gritted teeth, like oh, great chance for Benny flying <laughs> for him. <laughs> he's rapid, fast, isn't he? He's so fast. Yeah, he's really good. he's putting people under real pressure that speed. Although, Will, I don't know if he's young. I think, mm, I think that's true. I think he's like in the prime of he's his life. He's young in Irish player terms. <laughs> oh, he'll play for us for the next 12 years if he wants, you know. Yeah. So that's that's a good point, yeah. I saw a great post on X saying um, people are going to have one hell of a time recalling these Luton players in 10 years in pub gardens. Yeah. And the top comment was, God, Benny, what a player. <laughs> <laughs> People love pace, don't they? Like, they're just so impressed yeah. by pace. He, he like... He doesn't have much of it. I saw one where, uh, who's your man for uh, Leverkusen? Um, Frimpong. You know, he, he yeah. scored that great goal uh, against Bayern Munich where he like ran by like three players and like kicked from the halfway line. And I don't know if this was a joke or not, but it was like, if Frimpong goes, Leverkusen should seriously be looking like money. You know, I was like, they're just both fast. <laughs> I think there's probably a, a different level there between Frimpong and Agbeni. And again, I'm not trying to put Agbeni down, but we, we see fast players and it's like, it's worth remembering. Whereas other players, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, a bit overrated. Well, it was an interesting game. There's an interesting background to the game in that. Uh, so United are coming good at the moment. I think they've won their last four. They're unbeaten in 2024. Mm-hmm. But it's the off-the-pitch stuff that's looking promising as well, where they're actively stealing all of the top staff from the other teams that are doing well, which you would think it's very frustrating because you're like, well, why couldn't we have done this 10 years ago? If we have all this money mm-hmm. and people want to join the club because it's such a big name, we could have had City's backroom staff the year after they first won the title. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is about Dan Ashworth, is it? Dan Ashworth, yeah, from Newcastle. And also, I think it's Southampton's technical director or one of Southampton's big backroom staff as well as being poached at the same time. Yeah, this is one of the... the- Leading news stories from uh, last week's uh, historically slow week, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Dan Ashford story was everywhere. Uh, and Newcastle have placed sporting director on gardening leave. Uh, I saw dun, that. Dun, dun. Yeah, we, we all know what that means. As if it was like, that doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. something to, to normal football fans. But uh, I don't know what that means exactly. But does, it, does it mean they can't work for a bit? They're like, you, you're. We're going to pay you to not work? Is that what guarding leave means? I'm not really sure. I think it basically means you're not allowed to leave here until we get a big bag of money from Man United. And they're going to negotiate over how big the bag is for the next while. Or does it mean that we'll keep you there for a year so that you can't give any of our immediate secrets or players that we've been tracking until we get them? That was something that was... Uh, Eddie Howe said he was worried about... Well, not worried about it, but he said, you know, it's frustrating because, you know, you don't want um, him going to Man United. And... He said, he's, the quote was, uh, bringing our secrets with him. And it's like, what secrets do these football teams have? We all know the players that exist. <laughs> We're like, I don't know what dark secrets Newcastle are open to that Man United have never heard of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I think they do track players from young ages, you know, because, uh, you know, you can't, 
this is what Barcelona got in trouble for, for, and I think Chelsea as well, like buying players too young and, you know, kind of owning them from like 14 and, and you know, stunting the development to other clubs ever. So they have these players kind of tracked. Uh, I think Kai Havertz was one of those ones uh, when Lampard came in. Mm. He wanted to buy, you know, whoever. And went, no, no, we're getting in Kai Havertz. He's like, who? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's some 21-year-old kid. Like, Chelsea... It's one of our deep, dark secrets. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea had been monitoring him for a long time, you know. So uh, I, you'd imagine that the big clubs would know about these things. But then again, it is Man United and the recruitment has been famously bad so maybe they don't know about the That's players true, that yeah. other big clubs know about and uh, maybe Newcastle found that bracket of, of like monitoring all these players around the world so I suppose uh, it could be a, a, a big thing for United but um, remains to be seen yeah it could be just be the largest of the false dawns yeah time will tell time will tell um, Arsenal uh, will on, on a, on a tier 5-0 again they love beating the small teams mm-hmm. by large margins. <laughs> All of a sudden, we only was it last week we said I don't remember the last time Man or Arsenal ever hammered a team like that. They do it all the time, and they took that personally, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have the best goal difference in the league now, so that's checked off. Will just the points now, and it's in the bag. There you go, bingo, bango. I mean, it's, you got to do these things in stages. Yeah, how, how do you eat elephant? <laughs> You know, get the point. Get the goal difference now. They won't lose in goal difference, and then points take over Liverpool. Job done. It really just comes down to the usual of what is going to happen when all these teams play each other again one last time this season. Although have have Arsenal and City played twice? Jeez, uh, I can't even remember them playing once. I feel like I know Arsenal won the last time, and it felt. Remember, Arteta was running down the touchline as he's want to do but it felt like he had exercised the demon uh god i don't know man i don't i don't I, i'm obviously they have played i know that we were at that same season they have played i have no recollection that game because it feels like every time <laughs> arsenal won uh they got in trouble for celebrating too much as if they'd won <laughs> yeah, the league yeah which we all know you'll never do because <laughs> yeah. i saw someone had a screenshot it was like of arteta i don't know at what point in the game probably one of the lulls in between one of the five goals and declan rice on the bench and both mm. like no kind of reaction, which you could have taken at any point during you know a happy moment. Yeah. Just like you, you're smiling, and so we had a screenshot and put up and look at the entire club man ruined it. No happiness, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as if they give a fuck about what Jamie Carragher is saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, maybe it did. I, I just have no. It's been a long season, you know. It, it always seems to be long. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of the time of the season now. It feels to, to drag a bit. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, crunch time. Famously, <laughs> the least interesting time in the Premier League since Man City <laughs> took over. Yeah, maybe it's it's the the impending doom. I feel like I don't know why, but I just don't feel interested in the league anymore this time of year. Yeah, yeah, I feel like in about five games, something real bad's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder when they do play play each other next because it will come down to that. I suppose Liverpool, City, Arsenal—they're the ones who are still you know technically in the title race hmm. whenever they page the next that'll be uh where it really shakes out liverpool won of course again they're they're not short of goals diogo jota injured yeah out yes for, two months again it's not the end of the world but it's just like these are the two months that's going to happen this is <laughs> this is the way you, you need all your players playing i don't know if you saw a Klopp's interview when i think he'd they didn't know the severity of the in, injury yet but when he was asked yeah. about it you could see it on his face that this was a man who was like, oh, this is huge. That's really going to hurt us. Like he looked, 
he looked like he'd just been told someone he knew had died. They're all buying them in and they're barely ahead of City. So, yeah. you know, you need, you need everybody playing and everybody playing well. And he knows that. He knows that yeah. better than anybody. So That's why he's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, not, not, not good news for him. Um, speaking of the injuries, though, Allison was still out and Cueven Keller had a pretty good game. Yep. Good to see. Um, always good. And we always say the most unlucky man alive to just become a professional footballer in the same year as Gavin Bazunu, I think. But I'd say, I'd say, who would you take now? I mean, I, it's one of those things where if you're not seen and playing in the Premier League, I don't know how Gavin Bazunu's even doing in the Championship, you know? Yeah, that's the... But I mean, if I see Cueven Keller play the odd few games for Liverpool and play it well, I'm thinking, well, he's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean... And with a new manager, it's, it's, he could come in going, I've never even heard of Gavin Bazunu. <laughs> Yeah, it could be like, you know. Judging by some of the candidates we have, I'm sure that might actually be the case. I suppose the age profile doesn't really suit him to kind of uh, take over from Alison. Alison's only 31, so he has probably another three or four years in him anyways. Um, Cueven Crowder is 25. So, you know, he, I think he probably needs to, to go at this point, doesn't he? He probably needs to, to get a, a move somewhere else. Yeah, he could easily be, I think, the starting man somewhere. Um, but it is the thing of, like, I'd say his life is pretty fucking great. <laughs> like, being in that Liverpool squad is probably amazing over the last few years. I remember, uh, was it the Carabao Cup final two years ago, where he saved the penalty to win it and got his face on, like, a mural in Anfield and things like that. <laughs> like, that's not happened to you when you're playing the starting keeper for Sheffield or Luton, or, do you know what I mean? <laughs> But I think he could be even higher than this, you know? Yeah. Like, could he be better than David Rea at Arsenal? Ooh, that's a hot take. You know? I mean, I've never seen him make that many mistakes, but I guess it's different when you play 38 games in a season, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the pressure's on in Champions League moments. I mean, not, again, not having to go with him. Every time I, I praise an Irish person so far, I'm like, yeah, but how good is he? You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's different, but like... You know, I think he, he's he's shown that he he can he's good shots up, he's good at his feet. I mean, twenty five enough. If you're a manager with a, a keen eye for goalkeepers, I think you might see him and go, "I might get him on the cheap, and he might be really good." You know? Yeah. Um, he could be one of Newcastle's deep dark secrets. Could he play at United? Yeah, yeah, I probably. <laughs> probably could do Would that. you be happy yeah. to see him come in? Um. Onana has improved lately, though, I will say, because the Champions League is over. And for some, it, whatever mental block he had at that was insane. But in the <laughs> league, he's actually been pretty good. So, like, I know in the Luton game, it was the first time where he had to distribute the ball a lot and was under pressure a lot. And he did look very calm and collected and never gave it away and never made mistakes. And it was the first time he was like, okay, this actually, I get it now. This makes total sense. <laughs> I will say that uh, weird mental block will might mean the pressure of a Champions League match <laughs> yeah. playing for Man United, which is not good. Like, in the league, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, once the league was gone and they were going to be resigned to maybe Europa League, yeah, I can actually play pretty well against Luton. This is actually, I'm feeling myself now, you know. Oh, watch this. I'm going to do a Cruyff turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, again, if this is all hypothetical and we're, we're already saying that he's going to play for Arsenal Man United. But like, you know, you could get a lot more money as, as a starting keeper Probably anywhere from like West Ham upwards yeah. as a first choice keeper than you would as a second choice Liverpool. Plus, if you're playing in the Premier League, I mean, Mark Travers is, doesn't play there anymore. 
Kevin Bazuna still at Southampton, not in the, the Premier League. Although I think Southampton are doing pretty well this year, are they? I think they're tired, yeah. We saw it earlier today. Well, this is the thing, though. So, so say he comes back up in the next year with Southampton. I know they're not running out, so it's a bit of a stretch. But just think about it, you know. He's playing mm-hmm. now all the time with Hampton in the Premier League. New manager coming in. You're still on the bench for Liverpool there when Alisson is injured. If he wants to play for him, that's, a, it's a, that's important to him. Like, they'll always give it to the guy who's playing all the time in the same division as you are. You know, whatever chance he has, if Bazzini stays there, if he comes back up with somebody, be it Southampton or somebody else, he is better. Again, it's, it's easy to say you're, he's better when he only plays cup games for Liverpool. It might be a bit different when he plays a 38-game season, but... I mean, the only thing is he, he wins stuff with Liverpool as a subkeeper and he'll get to play in some of the co-competitions. So, yeah, if you've no ambition, it's 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 a pretty sweet deal. Second to his goalkeeper and then still get to be really good. You know, I don't know. But if, if I was him now at 25, I'd be saying to my agent, listen, like, now it's now or never. This is the time to, to move. Well, my stock yeah. is still kind of high. Let's not mess around here. Yeah, makes sense. Speaking of, I suppose, Irish players and Irish performances, no news on the Irish manager yet, is there? Uh, no, uh, Neil Lennon apparently was told that he is not being approached for a job anymore. I think it was Paddy Power. One of the big betting sites stopped taking bets uh, on the Irish manager position because they got a slew of bets on Coleman becoming the next manager. So, you know, the smart money came in, which happens. So have they identified him? Have they given him an offer he can't refuse? Or is this just I like, don't think no. there's been any more info rather than... All of a sudden, lots of people put lots of money on guaranteeing he was the next man for the job. And also, I think the same day that news came out that Neil Lennon was just happened to be told, hey, we're not approaching you anymore, just so you know. No reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I suppose that's a, it's a bit of a segue. Well, speaking of uh, Chris Coleman, former Sunderland manager and former star of the hit documentary Sunderland Till I Die. On the river where they used to build the boats by the harbour wall, the place you love the most. I can see you there alone. There is a new season of us. That's true. Uh, it's a short, just three episodes. I'll run you through the show. But yeah, before we get into it, I will say they did a great job of turning the show around because it was. I think everyone who's seen it or any of the clips from it know this is the funniest football documentary of all time. Like, just the characters are, like, there's bumbling idiots in charge of the club that are, like, David Brent-esque. There's that yeah. amazing scene where he's talking to the the scouting department and he says, why is Zlatan Ibrahimovic top of this list? Bits like that. Like, it's such an entertaining show that I think coming in, they had to very quickly let you know this is different. Uh, the club is okay now, and this is the rise up, and this is why you should care that they're actually doing well and not be rooting for their downfall, which kind of was the first two seasons, you know? Well, this is it. The fact that they let them in and film how bad they were was even more evidence of how stupid they were. Like, why would you let someone film this? This is awful. Like, they they didn't even realize how bad it was. Well, yeah, you can probably probably film this. It's like, you don't even know. You don't even know how bad you look. You have set us up for failure here. Yeah. (laughs) But they do an excellent job of... Like, after watching it, I was like, I might start watching Sunderland games. I like this. I, this is a club I can get behind. Whereas before, okay. it was like, these are clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a rebrand of, like, Sunderland are actually a decent club. and Because I mean, the last one, I felt like, yeah, the people here are good. And it's like, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's all they have. And it's, 
they're trying and then it would show like the corporate level like it would split to like the corporate level and like just, so again, disconnected like, from the fans yeah so disconnected people like bumping each other in the office kind of thing like dropping papers and, like, <laughs> oh, you know, like, <laughs> missing <laughs> deadlines for stuff it just was like really and again they didn't even have to work that hard to make them look bad it felt like yeah exactly so uh, again there's only three episodes so i'll fly through what happens in each to give you the idea um and to it's definitely worth a watch, I would say. So episode one yeah. opens up. Quick recap of the first two seasons. It shows us all of the show's villains, like Darren Gibson, who was a member of famously <laughs> on the last dog in the club. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's saying uh, him with a point in his hand saying, ah, no one at the club really cares about it, lads, to be honest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Twelve months they went without a win at home, and which is even madder when you consider... When you see their stadium, especially that they're in League One, it's insane. Like, it's bigger than most Premier League stadiums. It's yeah. Huge. It's huge. It's insane yeah. that this club has fallen this far and is still down there. Um, future Irish manager Chris Coleman pops up. He is, he's just a quick bit in the recap. Lots of booing going on as it shows him in the background. <laughs> Things like that. Not a good sign for us. Uh, they get relegated a second time. So now they're down in League One, and it shows a clip of one of the fans who's followed for the rest of the show, and it's him in tears uh, after they've d- just lost the playoff final uh, to go back oh, yeah. up to the championship. And it's him in tears in Wembley, and he said, why is it never us? And that's where the show starts. Oof. Yeah. Um, so they've lost the playoff final to Charlton, and the story starts halfway through the next season. So it's in the run-in to the playoffs straight away. It skips the first half where they're doing well. Uh, So they're in third. They've got a cool new owner of the club. A new guy's bought it. He's 23 years old. He's Nordic. He's a billionaire tech guy. (laughs) This sounds like the guy from Succession. (laughs) Yeah, very similar. Uh, What's his name? Kirill Lewis Dreyfus is his name. That is a sweet name. Kirill Lewis Dreyfus in the house. The youngest chairman in football. Uh, it shows a picture of him with Floyd Mayweather on his Instagram. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then you can hear clips from TalkSport talking about him. They say, he may have a big bag of daddy's money, but he needs people to show him what football's all about. Uh, he's not ready for the physicality of the uh, no. Premier League boardroom. Uh, so it starts, uh, like I said, midway through the first season. They're playing Bolton Wanderers. They lose 6-0, which is, again, 6-0 in League One. Oof. Uh, their manager, Lee Johnson, comes out after the game, literally in tears in the post-match press conference. And he says, um, the, the fans don't deserve this. The players don't deserve this. The staff don't deserve this. I'm so apologetic for this. It then cuts to a clip from a Sunderland fan podcast who said, I'll be honest, lads, we really didn't need our manager coming out in tears after that last night. <laughs> he was crying for himself. And again, they're in third at the moment uh, when this happens, but it's just out of nowhere, everything falls apart. Yeah. And it, the fans can feel it. They go, uh-oh, it's happening again. We're falling apart. Um, but the new owners decide to act quickly and they sack manager Lee Johnson after his very tearful post-match press conference. And uh, some of the fans are talking about it, They're like, hey, this is promising stuff, you know, quick action. Let's, let's stop the rot. Uh, and they say, well, if they're firing someone, they must have someone lined up to replace him. It turns out they did not at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's the usual. So, yeah, they've gone from automatic promotion candidates to losers, essentially, overnight. The league is very tight. Uh, there's a clip of Jeff Stelling where he explains that 
what is it? Yeah. 12 of the teams in this league don't know what division they'll be playing in next week because that's how tight the top and the bottom is. So there's only like two points separate in bottom and 12 wow. points up from that. And then there's the same in the top six. It's insane. Yeah, but there's one great clip here where it shows a group of Sunderland fans, all lads, like middle-aged lads, going for an early morning dip like in, in the sea, clear their heads, and Jen shows them in a roundtable discussion talking about how this club is affecting their mental health. Wow. And like they're talking about going for these sea dips as like when the cold water hits you, it just clears your head of all the shit that's going on. Mad. It's insane. That is insane. It's insane. The show does a really good job of, I think in the past, like in the first two seasons, they would frame that differently. Like, look at these lunatics. Like, look how much they care about this club. Yeah. But in this season, it shows it and it's very candid. It's nice. And it shows an interview with one of the lads and he says, uh, they're ta- sitting at a round table kind of, and he says, uh, since I was born, it wasn't my choice. This was just something, you know, my family followed. I went to all the games. I loved it. It's the only concept in my life. He said, I've had friends and families come and go through death or otherwise. Sunderland is the only thing that's going to be with me until I die. He sounds like he's talking about, like, the Catholic Church or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not his fault. <laughs> it's it's literally a religion. It's like, I, I wasn't asked. I was just, like, baptized and then communion. And then when I was, like, 14, I was like, I guess I'm a Catholic, you know? Yeah, it's so, it's, it, they do a good job of framing, like, these poor lads. Like, they're, it's just, they can't help it. They fucking love this club. And no matter what happens, they can't stop loving yeah. the club. Here's where things take a very interesting turn. All of a sudden, Sky Sports breaking news. Roy Keane in talks to take over at Sunderland. <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> exactly. Uh, he was the favourite to replace uh, the outgoing Lee Johnson after he left. And it shows lots of clips of the Sunderland players talking about him. Very interesting because they're obviously all younger, uh, a younger generation. But they kind of talk about him as they only know him as this funny Sky Sports guy. Uh, Luke oh. O'Neill, who's in the show a lot, he says, oh, I love him on telly. He's blockbuster, you know? He says what he feels like. But, like, there's no hint of, God, what a leader. <laughs> or what a bad manager. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that. They're just like, he'd be good crack. You know, it's like, Will, it's like I never saw Chris Kamara playing. I only saw him on, <laughs> yeah. on TV, you know? I don't know what he'd be like as a manager no. or as a teammate. I just I was like, hey, it's hilarious. I love Chris yeah. <laughs> Very similar. Then it kind of takes a turn where all of a sudden Roy Keane's out uh, and the fans are fuming. The fans want Roy Keane. He'll turn it around. That's what we need. Because um, they think, you know, they, he's a disciplinarian. That's what they need. Someone who knows mm, what winning means. kick up the arse what these lads need. Not millions and millions of pounds investing in the team. Then there's a mad clip, which I think if Roy Keane sees it, he'll probably blow his lid of uh, the assistant CEO. Uh, not the... Nordic guy, there's a Spanish guy as well who he works with, and he says, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, at the time uh, it was all media saying right, we didn't want Roy Keane. It was you know the media made it up. Maybe Roy Keane's people." He said, "I'm sure Roy <laughs> Keane would have been great entertainment. We would have had a great season three of this show. Another season of disaster." <laughs> true, that's true. Bang on, straight away. You think these guys are going to turn this around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's exactly what it would have been. It would have been more kind of calamitous and, bat- and press conferences. It would have been great footage for the, for the TV show. But Especially I mean, seeing as they had a season three lined up. That's, I, like, the old owners definitely would have gone, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> that's going to be big money. <laughs> so it goes on then, up to the end of the episode, uh, they get a new manager in, uh, Alex Neal, who was the ex-Preston manager. 
he is yeah. very cleverly put on a rolling 12-month contract. So he can be here for a few years, but every 12 years we'll sit down and talk, see if you're extended or not. Which is like, that's so. That's what you want. Because you keep sacking people. <laughs> now you have it in place that you can sack this guy if you want. So every year he has to kind of reapply for his job. Pretty much, yeah. They like sit down, they reassess, they go, hey, yep, another year, well done. There's this player called Luca Nine. Uh, he's injured, he gets his shoulder dislocated. And he's talking about it. And he said he kept playing through the injury. He kept saying, he says things like, it would, I would just come up, I'd pop it back in, and on we'd go for the game. And he said other players Ish. kept pulling it out during corners when people found out about it. He said, like, once a game, whoever was marking me would literally pull my shoulder out of my socket. Oh, fucking hell. So it's a tough, tough game. Uh, but he comes back from injury, scores, uh, of course he does. Great for the show. And then uh, mm-hmm. episode one ends, and you think, hey, things are looking up. But then, breaking news from Sky Sports again. Uh, it turns out Sunderland owners have not been totally honest. Uh, Dreyfus, the cool tech guy, is only mm-hmm. a minority owner in the club. The majority owners are the two guys who ran it last season. <laughs> oh, okay. So they've got a cool, young Todd Bowley type. Exactly, Todd Bowley. So they've been lying to the fans the whole time. And that's the end of episode one. Uh, episode two, I'll fly through because I will say episode two is mostly just games. Remember like the Captains of the World? It's montages, music just videos Just all games. the games, yeah, yeah. Game, game, games. It's the rest of the season. The build-up to the playoffs. They, it looks like they won't make it. Looks like they won't make it. They do make it. They get through to the playoffs. Or episode two, I remember thinking... This is boring. <laughs> I'm bored of this. I get it. They're winning. They're playing well. I can only see the emotional music video so many times. Uh, but it is nice. Then episode three. So this is the last episode of the season. And this is, I think, the best hour of football documentary I've ever watched. Ever. Okay. Wow. Um, a, it starts even off, better than Dave Beckham. Way better than Dave Beckham. <laughs> he won the league of his own, Will. <laughs> It's really it does actually put the Beckham to shame a lot in it because this is I think the only football documentary I've ever watched that's actually emotional. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I was nearly in tears at the end of the first of this episode. Hundred uh, percent. So the episode starts. We meet a guy called Ian. Ian is a diehard Sunderland season ticket holder. He's followed him his whole life. He has moved into a smaller house because you know times are tough. Inflation. He's not making as much money as he used to. So he's downsized his house so that he can be closer to the Stadium of Life and he can afford to go to more games. But to do this, he's had to sell the majority of his Sunderland memorabilia, which is like he had seats from the old stadium and signed everything. So he said it's very emotional, but he's like, you got to do what you got to do. I want to keep going to the games. Yeah. Can't take with you, Ian, you know? Exactly. And this fella is lovely. He's a lovely man. Uh, he talks about how he was at the FA Cup win in 1973 and he said from that point on it's been a life of misery every single time I went to Wembley they played eight finals in Wembley and they lost every single one missed penalties and then it shows a montage missed penalties goalkeepers miss kicking it uh, stupid red cards handballs and the, like the war like yeah, just yeah. every game a total collapse <laughs> And he says it, that it cuts back to him again from the first episode saying, why is it never us? Because he was obviously at the last playoff game oh, they lost. Oh, right. So it was yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, he talks about going to meet his best friend. I don't know if they say her name in it. 
Um, but he goes, he said the two of them go to every single game together and they have for years. And he talks very sweetly about how every day, every game, the routine is he goes, he picks up two teas, uh, one for him, one for her. He ends up not drinking any of it and she has two. And it's very sweet. He's a lovely old man is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this is where I wrote here in my notes. Where was this in episode two? <laughs> <laughs> you need the, the filler to, for context, though, you know. Exactly. And it's like, you got to get through the games I get to show the playoffs. Uh, then we meet another amazing character, the Kit Man. Uh, yeah. Kit Man's been in League One for so long. We've been in League One for so long now, he says, that a lot of staff have been sacked. He said a lot of people laughed and joked at season one and two of like, the show, but he said a lot of those people are gone because he couldn't afford to keep them anymore. He said, my boss has been sacked. <laughs> I've taken pay cut. He said, things are not good in League One. We need to get out of here. <laughs> You all laughed at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not laughing at me, sacked idiots. Uh, he says that the new manager has changed things, and you do get the impression then that, like, God, they were so right to not get Roy Keane in. We then meet, uh, <laughs> we meet a few players who've been there for like since the youth academy. True, you know, they talk about what the club means to them. A fella called Gooch, who's from California, but he now has like an accent, like a Geordie accent which is so bizarre to hear. Uh, mm. And there's another player who has the best nickname I've ever heard in football, uh, Ross Stewart from Scotland. Sunderland fans call him the Loch Ness Drogba. <laughs> the Loch Ness Drogba is good. I like yeah, that, pretty good. Uh, so it shows all these players talk about what the club means. Then it goes back to the kit man, and he talks about one of the staff workers from the first two seasons, the former head of communications, uh, Louise passed away in the last few months from illness. She had been at the club for 16 years, and she's like, I don't know if you remember the first two seasons, she is the only competent and nice person in the whole show. <laughs> she's the one oh, like... Oh, it's been a while now. She's the head of communications, so she is the one who's like trying to get all these fucking harebrained schemes out to the public, and she does a good job of getting people kind of on her side because people love her so much, essentially. But she sadly yeah. passed away. And uh, this is a really emotional moment where the kit man comes up with an idea where he says, for the playoff final, we're going to hang a jersey in the dressing room with her name on the back. We're not going to tell the players. So when they come in, that's the first thing they see. That's who you're playing for. And it has an amazing shot of the kit man really delicately making the kit with her name on it. And he's like concentrating so hard to get it perfect. Really good TV. <laughs> then we get to the game. This is where it starts. A few off. quotes. So they're playing Wickham. And going into the game, Wickham, we're talking like, you know, we're the underdogs here. We're like the lowly League One team. We're going up against big Sunderland. And the mm. Sunderland players are annoyed at this because they're all saying, Wickham have been promoted twice in the last five years. Sunderland haven't done anything. Like, we're the underdogs. We're, no one is the underdogs against us anymore. We're sick of that. So it has a bee yeah. in their bonnet about it. Uh, and then the game kicks off. Usual, really good montage of games. Uh, that you see on a Netflix documentary. They go on. They eventually win the game. Huge moment. They show a montage of all the losses in Wembley, all the moments again. And then it shows them scoring the winner, lifting the cup. Uh, it is scenes in the stadium. Like the whistle's gone for, I'd say, 10 minutes. And fans are still jumping up and down and like shaking each other. Like it's just chaos. It shows the kit man drinking two bottles of beer at the same time, like Stone Cold. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, then it cuts to fireworks going off. The beautiful music from the show was playing, which you might remember. Oh, yeah. I played a clip of it. 
So then it shows like all the fans we've seen throughout the three seasons. It shows them celebrating in the streets and talking about what it means to them. And it cuts back to Luke from the start of the episode. Or sorry, Ian from the start of the episode. He says, I've seen the good times, I've seen the bad times, and I've seen the shite times. Every final I've been to, we've lost. The joy on everyone's faces for it all to go right just this once, it makes me emotional. Uh, which I, when I saw that, I thought, this is the ultimate example of enjoy it, mate. This is what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> is football. That, yeah. Enjoy the League One playoff final. Like, this is the best day of his life. And he's seen them yeah. win bigger things than this. So then you're thinking, wow, what a lovely ending to the show. You know, that is, things are going up and ever, it's nice to see a smile on all these people's face. Then yeah. you see a shot of a priest getting dressed, like putting his robe on and stuff. And then it okay. comes to shots of all these fans who we've gotten to know in the last three seasons, all dr- getting dressed in black for a funeral. And you go, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. So Ian, who we met at the start of the show, has sadly passed away now. And all of Sunderland are going to his funeral. It shows uh, <laughs> literally like, again, he's just a season ticket holder. He didn't have a job with the club, but he's beloved by the fans and the players and the staff just because he loves Sunderland so much. Uh, yeah. It shows a shot of him getting a standing ovation, uh, like a, an image of him getting a standing ovation in the Stadium of Light. And like people are crying everywhere. Uh, it mm. shows the players hugging his best friend who he gave the tea to earlier. Really oh, emotional yeah. stuff. It shows his coffin going in. He has a Sunderland flag over the coffin. And you can hear mm. the narration of the priest. And he says, I've been with a lot of people you know, at the end. A lot of people talk about you know, they're worried about this or they're scared. He said, uh, when I was talking to Ian, all Ian talked about was Sunderland and how excited he was to cheer them on from the other side. And then Whoa. the show ends. It's amazing. <laughs> Mad. Unbelievable stuff. I mean, okay, it wasn't as as slapstick as the as the no. as the first season, but I mean, Sunland Slide died. That is kind of you couldn't write that. It's you know, be- literally it's too it, on the nose, you know. Sunderland till he dies, and like and beyond, and beyond. <laughs> That's the fucking oh, it's amazing. If you don't have time to watch the whole season, or you're not too interested, I'd highly advise watch episode three. It is one of the best hours of TV, sports TV, I've ever seen. Well worth the watch. Yeah, so you'd give it a good rating, real big fan of the Sun Clouds. Big fan, I will say. Again, could have done without episode two, but I think that's mostly because, well, I know they get to the playoff final, because what, what's going to happen in episode three? So it's like, all yeah. these, there's no jeopardy in any of these game montages. I know, yeah, they might lose this one, but they're going to win the three that matter. <laughs> yeah, the thing was that they signed a three episode deal and had to, well, we got to fill the episode two with yeah, something. Exactly. So just put the game footage there put a package together and that'd be episode two exactly yeah so yeah it does feel like episode two is an afterthought episode one's really good episode three amazing well worth a watch uh, and literally yeah. after i watched it i was thinking do you know what i'm keeping an eye on sunderland for for all those fans that have come to know in that like last three hours <laughs> i'm rooting for them so much <laughs> they deserve some good in their life <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a powerful piece of media by, by your account, Will. <laughs> I will say, one of the notes I put in, uh, I actually, I blew by it there. When the montage after they win the playoff, uh, the whole stadium is singing Can't Help Fall In Love With You by Elvis, including a crying Niall Quinn. And I wrote, this now feels like Sunderland propaganda. <laughs> yeah, it might actually be, Will, but it sounds of it, you, you're in. You, you, <laughs> I'm in. You, you, you know the fans after a three-part <laughs> yeah. documentary. 
Oh, yeah. Well, uh, in other news, uh, Will, uh, we have some breaking news from the past. Oh. Crystal Palace, Everton, MNF, halftime, nil nil. <laughs> Huge uh, news. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a relegation three pointer. Or six pointer, I suppose. It's obviously all games with three pointers, but this one is, is even more important. <laughs> it's a six pointer. Um, Roy Hodgson, uh, apparently, the good news is he's feeling better. Bad news mm-hmm. is he's uh, stepped down as Crystal Palace manager. Look, we can all speculate. Uh, and that is. I'd say 40% of the show. At least, yeah. uh, I think we can all agree <laughs> that he was about to be sacked. And like a player who who stays down the grounds, doesn't get sent off, Roy Hudson uh, fell ill. And uh, yeah, I think he's probably about to get sacked, but only for, for that he got ill. They decided to accept his resignation, I guess. He, yeah. He, he happily stood down. But... Um, Maybe they would have done that anyways, out of just respect for him as a man and as a manager who who has done pretty well with them. Yeah. I mean, how many managers have done well with Chris Palace and then it goes sour and then they're out? You know, yeah. from like Tony Pulis to Alan Pardew to, you know, I guess Roy Hodgson himself. You know, like it, it starts well, there's like good players there, injuries happen, there is an investment, and then, oh, look, we're going to relegate. It's your fault, manager. They've yeah. lo- you've lost in dressing room, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's bad for, for, uh, Palace generally and for Roy Hodgson, but there's an Irish man in charge mm. of the team tonight. Paddy McCarthy. Well, yes, sir. He, uh, former, I mean, he is technically an Irish international, although he never played for Ireland. Still we're counts. all Irish internationals, <laughs> you know, we are, we're all technically internationals. Um, Paddy McCarthy played for his Palace uh, a number of years back, and now he's a uh, caretaker manager of his Palace tonight. Possible candidate for the Ireland job. Well, he's a Premier League manager, technically. He's got a he's got a better CV than most. Is he interested? That's a real question. Maybe it's too small time from now. He's like, ah, no, seems like a bad gig. I don't know. Luton are five points off with a game in hand on Chris Bath, assuming that this game finishes nil nil, which is a possibility. Um, you know, Luton win the next game. That's two points off. I mean, it's. Luton are playing well. You know, I know they lost the last game, but they create a lot of chances. Yeah, definitely a fight on. But the Crystal Palace do feel like a team that just aren't going to go down, don't they? Like no, they might yeah. circle the drain a bit, but they're never going. to They're too good. Too many good players to go down. Yeah, just like we all said about Southampton and Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never be then. The kind of team that will sleepwalk their way into relegation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which basically means no one in the in the media is worried about it. Think, oh God. <laughs> They're down. <laughs> <laughs> They've sleepwalked. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they weren't aware there was happening every game they lost over the course of the season. Like, we were like, nah, it'll be fine. Well, they're freaking us. out. Like, what, Southampton, as if? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's your kind of your, your Premier League roundup, mm. uh, Will. And we should title episodes of that for yeah. clicks. <laughs> um, well, speaking of clicks, Will, uh, this week we have more Champions League with the second. Uh, batch of the last 16 yeah. rounds hopefully this batch cooks a little better than the last one uh, these, these, this batch is much better looking I have to say uh, you got Napoli Barcelona I think that's probably the pick of the, the Tuesday night games uh, you have Arsenal playing Porto which again it's one of those ones you think yeah Arsenal won that but potential banana skins have knocked out bigger teams in the past Porto um, what else we have is it? tomorrow it's PSV 
versus Dortmund and Inter versus Atletico Madrid. Still good games, though. Football hipster heaven about 10 <laughs> years ago. Interesting to see Lukaku in the Champions League again, see if he has any PTSD from the final last year. And, of course, Morata is still banging the goals for Atletico Madrid. So, yeah, that'd be a good game, I'd say. And then PSV Dortmund's. I couldn't tell you to be honest. Couldn't tell you who's going to win that one. I guess you'll have to watch, find out, and then come back here on Thursday or Friday, I suppose, and we'll <laughs> discuss those games as well. Yeah. Oh, if you want to hear that, that'll be over on the Patreon for Ultras only. If you want to listen to the Patreon, Ultras, yeah. It's uh, in the description for this episode or all episodes. It says support our show. Patreon.com slash no nonsense pod. Uh, and you get access to all the backlog of the Patreon episodes and every new one every week. Yeah, we'll be doing a, a bonus episode pretty much every week coming up, uh, be it FA Cup, be it international breaks, whatever it is. We cover all their uh, ultras only over on Patreon. So, yeah, feel free to to subscribe to that. And uh, as Will said, there are lots of other stuff there as well. So, so thanks, everyone, for sticking around. Uh, three years in. Three more to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's nothing like big plans, no like big uh, overhaul. I mean, we'll be doing this to the end of the season and then we're going to be covering the Euros. So if you yeah. want to stick around and hear that. It's a simple game. That's, that's all we could promise, you know. So, it's not rocket science, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking around and we will yeah. see you later on the week. Yeah. Here's the three more. <laughs> I'll enjoy every day of it and uh, we're living the dream, mate.